I've always had my sometimes my reservations about these weekends are exceptionally beneficial because you can you can carve out that amount of time. It's really trying to give yourself enough time. You know, these things are quite organic, the unfolding, and it's just shifting from a fairly, you know, active life. Even if you're in isolation, you're doing stuff, you're figuring things out, you're looking at the screen, you're switching this on, you're remembering this. To, to moving into something much quieter. It's quite a big shift. And it's, it's, it takes time just to get the mind to, to settle into that, to process into that. Um, that's why I, it's uh, so important just to, you know, to not set up a big <laughs> program or aim, you know, and to trust, trust, trust the heart, the chitta, does have some wisdom you know it's not the chatter in your head that's the wisdom it's something more intuitive and uh, felt it's a feeling kind of wisdom and I think this is just really important to to recognize you know that uh, a feeling wisdom a sensing wisdom a hunching wisdom uh, seems like this feels like this kind of wisdom you know, it's really important to um, to trust, even if it's not exactly right, uh, because it's generally, at least it's on your side, <laughs> it's sympathetic, <laughs> whereas the analytical wisdom is often, you know, um, got its own programs, aim for clarity, getting results, um, sorting things out, knowing this, knowing that and the other, and, and yeah, but that's not, that's not human, really. That's us machine. You know, humans, we never really know who we are. Um, we don't have to. In fact, it's, it's awkward if you do, because <laughs> then you're stuck in it. It's better to just know the, the flow of the moment and learn to, to cruise in it. And, um, and let go of the self-images, successes, failures, you know, what you think of yourself, what you think other people think. And just to, to recognise these are all born out of this anxious self, trying to locate itself in something. Yeah, trying to locate itself, and it doesn't have a location. <laughs> it's just itself. It's just a program running through the chitta, trying to find a location, trying to find an identity to get firmed up with, and never quite making it. So we always think there's something wrong with me. Because I haven't been able to make it as a... No, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, it's uh, just that you're trying to put a river into a net. <laughs> you're trying to put a, a river into a net and it doesn't work. <laughs> now, what's the river like? What's the flow like? When you come into that, you probably begin to also recognise, well, it's it can be fairly turbulent there. Um, partly because um, just continuing to orient around phenomena which you have no say over like the weather, the government sorry let's not talk about that um, the economy da 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 what's going on around you in the sense world which you can't really have much say over creates a tremendous agitation yeah. how can I get comfortable in this well I, I don't know if you do get comfortable in it frankly um, I think you have happy moments and an ability to abide with it, 
but it's really not the point is this isn't really your true home and that's difficult but it's also wonderful because you do have a home but it's not in this it's in the chitta in the heart which can widen and spread beyond the sense world um, and the Buddha said this sense world is just a fragment of the realities you could be moving through is it Deva Lokas and Brahma Lokas and just that and the other so this isn't even the best bit you know you want to hang on to this this is like the orange rind, you know. <laughs> In terms of what's possible. And, you know, it's just the realisation. You know, your, your jitta, your heart does pick up, is attuned to people who aren't here, people who have passed away, um, people in other countries, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's not really contained within this. Um, and then just to, to be able to go into that, and to allow it to sort of, you know, really orient to itself its qualities of the search for truthfulness, the search for integrity, the search for, what I say, purity. It's, it's not a great word, it tends to sound kind of starchy, but a sense of cleanness, you know, and, and love, and love, you know. And these are very fundamental properties of chitta. But when you try to express those in the sense world, it's always got so many things to get through. It's like being a warden of a nature reserve and dealing with a committee. You just love ducks. But you go to some boring meeting and argue for six hours about grants and this, that and the other. <laughs> That's like, you know, the jitter having to operate in the sense world. is like being a wildlife lover and having to go to committee meetings looking for grants and talking about it. it just... It's not the same thing. But we have to work with this. And uh, there's a sense of a, a, a disengagement which is by no means aversive. It's just a sense of if you hold this too closely, you know, you, you get so much thrown around. This is where the, the river of the chitta gets turbulent. And of course, we have done that. Our life is really about being engaged and often we're required to be engaged you know, with, um, in a sense, data, jobs, functions, time of day, get the shopping done, and so forth. Um, but now we have a time to just question that engagement yeah, and say, well, what if you don't make the priority to get the, um, the sensory or the circumstantial world correct because it's it's troubled area it never does get that correct why don't you just get your heart to be correct and then see what you can do from there why don't you try to live how you love with what you love and just you know and ask oneself at the end of the day this stuff this sense world is going to leave you uh it's going to crumble it's you know as soon as you get older it's going to be live less and less your know, meaning and vibrancy and you won't pretty able to understand it you know so, really making this shift to centre of the heart, chitta. And so, there are certain properties there. Uh, I've mentioned them. First of all, the knowing sense. There's this sense of the chitta is primarily knowing, not in an intellectual way, but being able to be uh, resonant, uh, to sense, uh, to be receptive, yeah? Mirror, perhaps lake is better, like the lake of water. 
which is both, um, you can see your face and it also shivers if you drop a leaf on it. It's rather like that. Yeah. And from that shivering you can detect either, well that's because stuff is dropping onto the lake, or because the lake itself is being churned up by something coming into it. But the nature of water is not to be churning. Yeah. The nature of water is just to be receptive and it gets churned. So simply the mind, the chitta, is somewhat like water. And it could be however much debris gets in there with its broken bottles or tree trunks or fish, the water is still the water. And we've got to sort of not get focused too much on the debris or the interesting things happening in that, but just the nature of water, nature of chitta. So this is kind of what I want to um, point us or suggest you point yourself towards in this particular day. So this quality, both receptive, both aware, receptive, resonant, it tends to be affected by things and respond. And it's also got an embodied resonance, which is how you can know it, really. Uh, you know, because you, what you think in your mind could be, you're never quite certain whether that's truth or just making it up. And it, But what you feel in your body... You know, yeah, that's actually what's that's what's happening, however pleasant or unpleasant, and that can that attention that can be sensitized to quite a high degree. Yeah, um, the nature of this focus itself is pretty significant. Okay. Now, I guess most of us, when we use a word like focus, we'll go to narrow focus that's what it means to focus it means to get to the letter on the page it means to get to the point on the line it means to focus on the the detail that's focus it means narrow down generally visual visual focus and so much so that we say focus get focused it means go like that go to details we have an exceptional uh, inclination towards that because a lot of our life is in dealing with details like written words and numbers on pages add them up um, do the math you know sort things out go to the detail and certainly details are important but do you find your mind gets stuck in it you know uh, <laughs> uh, not just in objective details but in tiny little grudges he never shuts the door quietly. How many times have I told him, never shuts the door quietly? It doesn't really matter. Shutting the door is not a criminal. But he never shuts the door. Is it so much to ask somebody to close the door quietly? Is that is that too much to do? Yeah, but he doesn't get drunk and, you know, some violent. No, but he doesn't shut the door properly. He gets stuck in his thing. And an emotional tension around that can build up over one detail. It becomes the signifying feature of that person. He's a non-door shutter. And you think, oh my God, what's my mind doing, you know? <laughs> Detail. Uh, and if we just sort those details out, if we get this person to do that thing right, then everything's going to be okay. But you notice something else about him. <laughs> he forgot my mother's birthday. <laughs> it's not things he does do, but also things he doesn't do. Yeah. Uh, he never informed me. He never told me what he was doing. He never phoned me up. Yeah. 
and you can have this thing in your mind. He's a non-phoner. <laughs> He's ignoring me. He's rejected me. Yeah? So you can get into details that strike you, uh, and they become global. The detail becomes the global um, sense of what this person or this event is, or this event is about. Yeah. Oh, you know, here I am. Is you find some gesture you don't understand. Um, I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm an idiot. We make that definition of ourselves. You know, I made a mistake. A complete nitwit, brainless, hopeless, useless idiot. Well, not really. You just, you know, drop the cup. A human error. Well, it's not great, but it's. <laughs> Do you know, nitpicky. Um, because the mind has been so trained to have this narrow focus and to make those those points extremely significant, both in terms of what we do externally, in terms of our own behaviour, in terms of the way we see other people. Yeah. And then, of course, when we meditate, right, let's get down to those little points yeah, and uh, track those points with unwavering mindfulness. Well, mm, but the Buddha never taught that. Uh, certainly, you know, details have a significance. But now, can, can you imagine, just do a little bit of imagining, can you imagine, say, you know, it's 5th century BC India, right? There's no clocks, there's no timetables. Um, I don't think they even, they had moon days, otherwise, no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was just the eight-day thing, and then the moon came up. In other words, they regulated themselves in lunar calendar. No cars, um, um, and you're living in a forest. Now, if you've ever been in a forest or anywhere in nature, you realise if you have a narrow focus, you're in trouble because you'll probably miss out what's happening just outside your field of vision, which could be a tiger or a snake. Or You've got to have a very wide, open focus yeah, and not engage with anything unless you, you know, if primary focus is everything total sensing sensing and if it's not visual it's partly visual it's auditory it's also your body senses you know, your senses it and your your heart or your mind and your body are doing a, a sensing um, program it's sensing what's around me What's beneath my feet? Is it solid? Mm, check out. Is there rain in the wind? It goes to the nose. It goes to the ears. Any sound around me? It's actually behind all that and prepared to move out into a sense door if there's a, some kind of signal comes into the heart of something not quite right. It scans the whole field. Yeah. And you see animals do this. Deer. They get the sense of their ears are up, their eyes are open, they stand still. They're just checking out the whole thing. And is, it, is it unbroken or is there something strange happening over there? You know? So they've got this, the whole sense is the primary focus. And then the detail is anything that seems disturbing or different or interesting within that whole field. But the whole field comes first. And in that whole field sense, you don't know. The idea is to not know, because if you know, you're already blocking the receptivity. So you don't know. 
That means you're extremely alert. You're not blocking your sensitivity with a, oh, I've got to go this, I've got to get there, this is going to happen. No. And that, that sense of open unknownness is extremely receptive. And when you begin to not be in a hurry to fill it up with knowing, there's a certain peacefulness or a calm about it. Because if you're getting emotionally stirred, that again blurs your receptivity. If you're getting too anxious, that, no, no, no. No, that too, anxiety is just no, no, no. Just relax that because this is important. No time to get, you can't hold a grudge right now. When you get comfortable, when you get home, then you can start proliferating and holding grudges. <laughs> but right now in the open, you don't have the space to do that. <laughs> you know, when we get comfortable, then we can start complaining and criticizing people. But right now, we've just got to be really open. And so this is the basis. Remember, these are the people who lived in the forest. And there's no straight lines in the forest. There's no set path. There's just that awareness, and you start to follow and what feels safe or, or rewarding or where the light is or where you move away from what feels hostile. This is, your, this is your foundation. This is your foundation of meditation. Is it focused? Yes, it is very focused, but not on any detail. And so this means by that act alone, we're already undermining the focal point which makes us so petty. There's no time to be petty. There's no, you know, we can't do that. Yeah. You, because with the open mind, it can't do that scrunching up. Yeah? Imagine it's like a sheet. You know, you've been eating toast in bed, right? You're sitting in bed having your buttered toast. You've got all kinds of breadcrumbs in it. <laughs> Which is the way we've lived our lives. So now you get out of bed and you open the sheet and you spread the sheet right out. All the breadcrumbs, toast crumbs drop out. Right? So in that very open state, they can't find any niches to get settled in. This is, I say, the basis of meditation. Basic focus. Now, for sure, the way that we are is that something touches that and that the bedsheet does start to crinkle. You know, that's an offensive remark. That's a painful experience. That's a rather pleasant sight. Oh, and suddenly things get livened up and the jitter begins to ripple and create these waves within it. And those waves eventually, if they solidify, become folds. Right? As they become folds, you get creases and then you get problems bury themselves in those creases. Problems we rather like the waves. When they're nice waves, you know, that kind of upswing, they seem so boring otherwise. Uh, this is certainly something, the boringness is really a lack of receptivity and turning towards, towards the, the property of chitta. Now oh, the fundamental you know, I've talked about these slight bodily senses you can get when you feel particularly your face starts to, to tighten up around your eyes or your lips, or you feel your chest closing a bit, or your hands begin to get fidgety, yeah, or something gets clenching in your belly, you know, you don't feel grounded, you're up in your head trying to figure things out, and the answer is really to feel the whole body and go down into your feet. And, oh, whew, let that one roll through.
and in that rolling this is where you get your insight from letting some of this stuff as it arises and you unfold then you can witness very matter of fact you know it doesn't take a particular deep scrutiny you come into the unfolded state and then you you when you see that kind of piece of guilt or complaining or you know move and shift and dissolve wow what was that that was that and what was it based on the insight really deepens by recognizing the foundation of these turbulences and uh, ripples is the sense of self is one of them obviously the search for permanence um, the search for satisfaction in what can never be satisfactory the search for something uh, beautiful in what can never really be that way these are called distortions vipalasa or upside down because there is a sense of satisfaction which can be arrived at if you're turning the focus and it's this releasing is very satisfying mm. now the way that the jitta speaks primarily is through emotion emotions easy word but um, covers everything from you know uh, interest so a sense of oh yeah, rather lifted up by that uh, apprehension you know uh, courage a certain emotion with that as well as what we would call more fundamental or obvious emotions such as sorrow or joy so this is, these are the tonalities of the chitta uh, and they are the kind of the ripple effects and around those the thinking mind picks up that ripple and starts to proliferate around it just getting a sense of unfolding and letting some of those move through yeah letting some of those move through because the nature of emotion is it will die down if you don't keep feeding it mm. you're not trying to get rid of them just to let's just what do they feed on uh, mm, <laughs> expectation uh, uh, so me so letting some of those move through and this shift starts by itself it starts to cause a shift because you this is more stable if I can be somewhere where I allow these to rise and pass this is your fundamental insight shift and that place we call it uh, the the, um, the movement there is in some ways it's uh, described as dispassionate yeah, that is one no longer really gets a big uh, psychological engagement this is not so important to my to my well-being you know okay you can disagree with me that doesn't I'm, it's fine that's your that's your way that doesn't mean I'm right just means you've got a way of seeing things I don't have to feel I've got to defend myself or convince you, you know, I'm, I'm dispassionate about my opinions you have yours I have this so there it is you know. mm -hmm rather than I'm right so some sense of dispassion in this um, gives people space and the emotional tone is equanimity 
Equanimity is a very wide emotional state, just as we talked about, uh, you know, widening your awareness to include your whole body and even the space around it as you walk. Then you're widening the emotional body, if you like, the widest frame that the emotional body that the heart can go to is called equanimity and it's it's a pretty paramount um, quality you see it's there seven enlightenment factors number seven is equanimity ten parameter tenth parameter is equanimity jhanas fourth jhana is equanimity um, you know it's brahmavihara fourth brahmavihara is equanimity it's there right at the top of the list <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's a sign of considerable uh, practice uh, whereby and what's that really it means widening your emotional span to include without reacting the pleasant the unpleasant the favored the unfavored uh, mm. widening your emotional span to include those you can allow those ripples to move. The more you allow them to move, the, the wisdom, the insight recognizes oh, they can move. And I can also allow myself to feel anxious, upset, petty, uh, and let that pass. And the more, I, more my mind does that, those waves no longer have so much power in them. That's, the, that's the, the way the chitta learns by itself. I've tried to make myself less complaining, more patient, more whatever, and I still have to bottle it. Now, if I allow some of those to occur, clearly, you know, keeping it in my own frame of reference, I'm not, then you know, that... Jitta learns by itself by learning this is an impermanent condition, it changes and it can pass through you, and there's something there that um, hasn't moved. Jitta itself hasn't moved, the lake has not left its sight clearly. The ripple has moved through, but the lake has not shifted. Then we go to that lake. This is an incredible um, refuge, blessing. And you look at the whole range, the gamut of circumstances with their particular emotional tonal tones. Right now, we're dealing with a huge amount of separation. Yeah, the social life gone, and you know, maybe for a day or two, it's quite nice, even. <laughs> but after about four months of it, you think. Uh, you know, it's quite good to just go out and have a chat with somebody and sit down and, you know, talk about nothing special and hang out and all those normal things. And it's a real uh, test. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are social creatures. Um, mm. So what does that do on an emotional level? Forlorn, restless, uncertain, emotionally disoriented. Okay, stop trying to cheer yourself up. Mm. That? And can you accept that as part of the range of emotions that can occur? I mean, you know, 
When you look around, you see there's definitely conditions or triggers for despair. You look into environment, you look in that not very long before you get a feeling of, oh God, this is all hopeless. Uh, Maybe so. Uh, But something that's not hopeless, which is liberation, is the possibility. And maybe from there, if one has liberated one's own heart from that frustration and irritation and despair and lostness and disorientation, perhaps from there maybe one can begin to extend uh, qualities that are skillful. Because equanimity doesn't by any means rebut skillful qualities arising. It doesn't stop you doing anything. It just means you're not so anxious about getting a result. You're not so frustratedly impatient to get a result. Maybe that makes it a lot cleaner and easier. So it's a big one, equanimity. And it means allowing that humility to allow stuff to arise and pass, emotions to rise and pass. And what you can then recognize as you begin to get the message, a lot of this is about the sense of self. How much I, my personality, is configured by my emotional patterns. My sense of being left out, my sense of always having to do it, my sense of feeling inadequate, my sense of feeling guilty, my sense of not being good enough. That's as defined to me as my ears, my knuckles and my kneecaps. (laughs) It's as as much me as my face. And also it's just something you can relax it, like you can relax your face. It doesn't have to be there as a dominant feature of your life. You can step behind that. And it's, uh, it allows your personality to both take a rest and also be moderated through wisdom, compassion, clarity, equanimity. So that's enough talking from this particular perspective. <laughs>